I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bing bong. I'm just kidding. Hello and welcome to the Basketball Addicts Podcast where, where we answer the question and get in. It's so many things that can get in, but that's not what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to focus on specific things. First things first, we have balling or stalling. That's a new segment where we're going to talk about the teams that have been balling this year, this season, and the teams that have been stalling. And it's a lot of teams that are just stagnant, not doing nothing. Let's not talk about what happened with Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, I have to ask you guys a question, first off, before I get there. Just want to, you know, welcome our guest today. We have Rover Media. How you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. Nice to be back, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, man, we had him on before when we had our um, first power ranking. So now we're going to bring him in again and see if anything changed in the NBA. But we have to talk about this. This is a burning question for me right now, okay? Oklahoma City <laughs> lost by 73 points in the modern NBA. 152 to 79. Was can I ask a couple questions to you guys? Is that okay? Yeah. <clears throat> Was Ja playing? No. Dylan Brooks. I'm gonna guess yes. Did they have Jesus on their team? What the fuck happened? <laughs> Just let me know. For real. Cause like I'm kind of confused right now. Because Oklahoma, like, okay, look, this is a no shade, but shade. You are the team who beat our favorite team on this podcast, the Los Angeles Lakers, not once, but twice, right? Right. Then you go and get whooped. You got the ass spanked like this. They bent you over and they tapped it from behind. For four quarters straight, you know how long that is? <laughs> it's 48 minutes of straight just ass spanking. <laughs> ass spanking. Listen, it's spanked for 48 minutes. And they didn't have their they didn't have jaw. Were you lying to us? Is our team just that bad? I don't think so. How does that happen? I'm listening, guys. Talk to me. How does it happen? Go ahead, Jason. Well, definitely this type of thing can definitely happen to a team like this. It could happen to the Houston Rockets, too, where they're rebuilding. They don't have much veteran depth. They don't really have a lot of people in the team that know how to win, how to play basketball at a high level. They're still going through the, you know, the team's like, okay, we're just put out these young guys, let them develop. They might not be very efficient yet, but we're going to, stick of the process so and you're facing off against a team that's coming into the ending phases of their rebuilding process and uh i think i i'm glad you brought up the memphis grizzlies because there's one they're one of the teams that i love a lot this year yeah. they have con- 
they have great chemistry. They have a great coach. They have they understand how they want to play basketball. It fits their team perfectly, and they have a great young nucleus that's really going to move forward. And it's just the when you have great tem- team chemistry, they have more shooting than they did last year. They probably just got really hot, and they were in flow. And you know they just stuck the knife in them and killed the Oklahoma City Thunder. So that's what I way I'm thinking about that. Man, come on, man! Somebody else got to talk to me, man. That, that, look. Valid points all around there for sure. Um, that's just crazy though. Seventy three points. It was a layup line. And the crazy part about this, like, I just remember some stats off the top of my head for sure. Okay, so here we're gonna do, go with this. So over the four quarters of basketball that was played, the uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, I think they shot thirty two percent from the field, right? Memphis shot 68% from the It was like, it was just their night. They were on. Oklahoma was off. And they took advantage of it. I mean, at some point, we got to do like the cartoons. We got to just take the wear. We got to take our underwear, our tidy whities put it on the stick, and just wave the white flag up. (laughs) It's just (laughs) or something. You got to do the Roberto Duran. No moss. No moss. Something. Like, as a coach. What do you tell your team when you go in the locker room? You be like, "Damn, we got our ass whooped." But next game, <laughs> how do you how do you go push them from that? They all there's no way, there's no way that for the next couple of days you can't walk around Oklahoma City Thunder and look anybody in the eyes. You all putting your head down like this and just looking and just walking through the day, <laughs> just looking at your shoes. My shoes look real nice today. I can't look at I can't look nobody in the eyes. I lost my seventy three points. <laughs> what are you What are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, I mean, to to me, I think that uh, every team has has one of these games. It's it's not by as much as this was, but I mean, you know, in in the standings, it's only going to be one loss. You know, so no matter what took place during that game, you know, I feel like it's it's only that one loss, and they can easily bounce back from a loss and play. 10 times better the next game than they did that game. So I'm not going to hold them above it, but I, I do think that they are embarrassed for sure. That's embarrassing. Go ahead. I, I have, I have something. So yeah. Chris, how long, how much did they lose by again? 73. There comes a point in time that you do have to worry about heart because I'm guessing they got blown out and were losing by a lot of halftime. And that scoreboard reflects, you know, a team not really trying, not trying on defense, probably not going for loose rebounds, probably not jiving on the floor. You know what I mean? Like they got mentally, you know, stuff, you know, they they got killed in the first half, the mentally destroyed. And, you know, that toughness factor and the heart factor, something that really should be worrisome for Oklahoma City moving forward. They're going to have to really overcome that and, you know, wonder if their head coach, I don't really know who their head coach is, if he's the right fit because he's probably, if they're losing by that much, you have to really worry about culture and if the head coach can really instill some mental toughness because 70 for a team that has, I don't think regular people really understand how world demolishing the worst player in the NBA would be at your regular pickup game. Like these are ridiculously gifted human beings. So losing by seventy is atrocious. Yeah, 
But then you also have to think about it on this side. So I'll ask a question. I'll, I'll calm it down a little bit, bring it down. <clears throat> so the question I will have to ask is that what difference would it make if they had Shea, if they had Josh Giddy? Do they still lose by 73? Do they still lose this game? Do they are still able to get galvanized? Maybe it is a culture problem. You have to think about it that way because when your star players are out, these are your two of your best players. You still have to have the heart and the capacity to want to win a game. It seemed like they went mm-hmm. out there and was like, damn, we're going to lose the rest of the season until they come back pretty much. But when they get back, we'll be okay. It's more like yeah. the LeBron syndrome. You know what I mean? When, when LeBron was first in Cleveland, how he had nobody on his team, his star player. Um, you know what I mean? When LeBron's out, everybody's looking around like, what do we do? Yeah. I mean, you could have give Craig, Greg Popovich a G League team and played him against Memphis Grizzlies without John Morant, and they're not losing by seventy because of just sheer effort. So exactly. uh, that that that's a really good point, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> going into this, now we can kind of move into our next segment where we can talk about which teams are balling and which teams are stalling that's kind of like what our you know our next part is so going off of that just off the teams that played this week so one thing we do know for sure and this is going to be evident especially when we do our power rankers is that the two best teams are in the same division (laughs) they're both in the west the two best teams in nba are in the same (laughs) division they're both in the West, and we all know who the two best teams in the NBA is. We can't deny it any further. We came out earlier and we said the Phoenix Suns missed their window. They're not that great. Damn, are they proving us wrong? I mean, they listened to us and was like, man, I got something. 18 games was, in a row. I'm like, huh? Hello? I was trying to tell you guys. <laughs> I had them at um I had them at five when we did the um the top 10 at the time. And I think you guys pushed them all the way down to nine. Yeah. And I feel like they're playing like a five right now. Man, they are. Okay, before I let Jason goes, I know he's raring to go. I can see him right there. He's like, you hear him <laughs> breathing in the mic. I got you. Give me one second. The, the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. In my wholehearted opinion right now, you know, Jason may change that once he starts talking because, you know, he's bringing the facts here. (laughs) Is that the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors are two of the best teams in the NBA right now. And they're in the same division. So basically, when the Western Conference Finals happens, knock on wood, if the Lakers don't make it, it's going to be it's going to be an NBA Finals virtually because they have the same record right now. They're the same team, and they were the the Golden State Warriors were the only team to snap the Phoenix Suns record. They beat the the Phoenix Suns beat them, blew them out the game before, and then came back and lost this game. So it's like it's really a back and forth. They had they're the they're not I'm not going to say identical talent wise, but if you look in the at the stats, you look at the um at the box scores, look at the at the rankings, neck and neck, exact same team. Go ahead, Jason. Let me have it. All right. Oh, man. <laughs> the Phoenix Suns are not the same team as the Golden State Warriors. I just want to get that off my chest. Um, <laughs> Phoenix <burning>. Suns. 
are not one of the top two best teams in the West. I don't think if if the Lakers are healthy and the Warriors are healthy, no nobody's beating them into the Western Conference Finals. The Phoenix Suns and Chris Paul is doing what normally happens with Chris Paul. Chris Paul is great at winning basketball games. He's one of he's like the all time leader of assist turnover ratio. He manages the heck out of every single game. He's doing that again. Great. We'd love to see that. Devin Booker's still amazing. You know, that combination between Dondre Aiden and the CP3 pick and roll, still really great. They have the same problems that I had with them last year. Other than Devin Booker, who can create their own shot? Other than Cameron Artist Payne. It's not Cam Johnson. It's not Jay Crowder. It's not Miles Bridges. DeAndre Ayton, if you put him on the Sacramento Kings, would average like 12 because he can't post. He was the number one pick in the draft. Can't post effectively. Can't do it with more than 12, 15 points per game at maximum. So you have a Chris Paul doing what Chris Paul does, which is making players that are not highly skilled other than standing in one spot and shooting and putting them in the great positions to get open shots. That's what he's always done. So he's elevating the team and making the record better than what their talent level is. And when they get in the playoffs, teams like this, and you normally has this problem where there's talent, when they're facing against real up higher tier talent, they get booted. And, you know, that's what's going to happen again for the Suns. They're, they're a better version of the Jazz. They're a team that they're they're better version of the Jazz, but they're one of those teams that are going to do really great in the regular season, cooking all these teams, playing playing with great heart, great passion, great toughness. Can't take that away from them at all. Great head coach, definitely understands what he's doing. They play with a ton of effort every night. That's why they're winning, right? So I would disagree with that. I think that they're at a different tier than the Lakers and the Warriors, especially when Clay Thompson gets back. <clears throat> See, hold on, wait, but I'm going to let you finish, but the Phoenix Suns beat the Golden State Warriors without Devin Booker, though. He didn't even play the first game. Yeah, yeah, but then when they both played in the first, second game, they they won. And they're doing it all without Clay Thompson and James Wiseman. He didn't play the so, second game. He didn't play either game. He's still, he's, still hungry. he's still hurt. They've lost three games this season without Clay Thompson and James Wiseman. I know. Come on, when the playoffs come around, they're going to get whooped. If the if the Warriors played the Suns in the playoffs, it'd be four one. I'll say I'll I'll, I'll stand by it today. If they get back like they're supposed to in December, then I would agree with that. But as currently constructed, I think it'd be a closer series. I think it'd go seven. No, I disagree. I think I think Jordan Poole shot creates. I think Steph Curry shot creates. I think Andrew Wiggins shot creates. You have Nima Bielinsa and Draymond Green that do similar roles of great passing, rebounding, and having great touch and running the fast break. And then Kevon Looney, Andre Godogla, they're so deep. It's ridiculous. They are, they are, Jordan Poole is a, it would be the, the Suns' second bet, would tie Chris Paul for the second best shot creator on the Suns. And okay. Steph Curry, Steph Curry. And you have Steve Kerr, who's, my opinion, the greatest coach of basketball. So I don't, I, I, I don't even think it would be close. But, okay, listen, listen to me though, real quick. My thing is that Golden State doesn't have Giannis, and that's that's the biggest factor right there. <clears throat> think about this for a second. The only reason the Suns did not win the NBA championship is because of Giannis. Uh, they didn't play LeBron and Anthony Davis. They didn't play Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. 
But I'm saying they didn't play Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. Giannis wouldn't have made it either. I'm just talking about in the finals. I'm not talking about before okay. that. They did they okay. play, play a healthy LeBron. They didn't play a healthy AD. We get that. They didn't, they didn't have a hard road to the finals. But I'm saying the only reason they didn't win the finals is because of Giannis. That's really what broke their team. Is because once you break DeAndre Aiden out the picture and you have to force everybody else to become players that they're not normally are like you're right they're not that many creators on there the number one creator on that team is Devin Booker and Chris Paul just elevates the rest of the team you're completely right about that but Giannis broke that team when Aiton couldn't get off that's 20 that's 20 points that they normally have that they no longer have anymore because he broke because he broke Aiton Aiton can't do anything and when Giannis starts going then the rest of his team can start flowing because he's one of those he's one of those energy players where like he'll get going and then the team is like oh we can win the game be more right then everybody else will step up. They'll re- they'll go reach a whole nother level. Yes, because like we said before, Drew Holiday and um, what's his, and Chris uh, Middleton. Chris Middleton, thank you for the name. Chris Middleton. They're maybe two and three, maybe three and four. But when they play together, they become a two. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if Giannis is rolling, then those two start rolling. Then they start winning games. The fact of the matter is that presently constructed as the Warriors are. In my opinion, and I, you can disagree with the Jason because I'm gonna disagree with you as well, is that the Suns and the Warriors are neck and neck, and if they meet in the Western Conference Finals, it'll be closer as long as I mean, if Clay doesn't come back and play how he's supposed to play, if they don't get a James Wiseman who's gonna come and step up, then they have the exact same team, and the only thing that stopped them last year was Giannis. They're going to steamroll through the rest of the West as long as until and unless. Okay, the only reason they won't steamroll through the rest of the West coming up as presently constructed is if the Lakers figure it out. They will stop them because they have too much size. And that's the problem because that's going to stop DeAndre Ayton. But you can't stop Devin Booker. I don't think Rover has talked yet. So I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going to let him talk. Oh, oh no. I was was just really into the conversation. Um, I think that. Jason is very correct on this. And, and it's not too many times that me and Jason see eye to eye when it comes to <laughs> teams, like, you know, uh, ahead of one another. But he's absolutely right. Like I mean, like, even with Jordan pulled by himself, you know, he could battle if Devin was, you know, there and battle him healthy. They, they could go neck and neck, and he could win that game for Golden State without Steph. And – and, you know, just the way Steph's going and, you know, he's, you know, he's already at 123s, you know, Jesus. this season already. And, you know, they've only played 23 games. Um, I don't see, I don't see Phoenix being equal. They're equal in standings because of the, the competition and the teams they've been going against, against so far. And even though Phoenix isn't getting the the recognition, you know, on TV and our games aren't being aired like they like they should from someone who's just in the finals, but you know, there's no way with both teams in a pot you can say that a seven game series, Phoenix would win four or three of that matter against Golden State as they stand today. And that's without Clay. You know, so I I disagree. As of today, I feel like they, they could probably stay in the game. But I don't think they're going to beat Golden State, especially not in the seven-game series. 
Yeah, I'm not saying they would eat. I'm not saying they. I'm saying that it will be a closer series than what she than what Jason is saying. Jason's saying they would lose four one. I'm saying as president as it is right now, and even if you bring in Devin Booker back in, you know what I mean? Because he'll get healthy. He'll be healthy by that time. You know what I mean? That's going to change. They were on an 18 game win streak, the same kind of win streak that the Warriors were on. Like literally identical teams, just in the standings. They may not be talent wise identical, but the only thing that stopped them was Giannis. And if, as long as DeAndre Aiden can get off and then – okay, I'll play devil's advocate for a second. The reason why the Golden State Warriors lost is because Steph Curry had an off game. He shot terribly. <laughs> uh, I remember seeing after that game, there was a bunch of videos getting published. Oh, this is how the Phoenix Suns stopped Steph Curry. I was like, man, he's been in the NBA for 12 years tearing up teams. If the Phoenix Suns had the magic formula, they 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 would have brought it out a decade ago. Like, what the heck? <laughs> I don't know. Nowhere close. I'm just saying that it's possible. I'm saying that the only thing that stopped them was they didn't have to go. It was either they had an easy road, but it was Giannis. Giannis was the Phoenix breaker. They would have won a championship. Chris Paul would have had his first ring last year. And yeah. I think that if they go back as Presley constructed, throwing Devin Booker, they could go back to the West. As they long as the Lakers don't who? figure out how to get it. How do I mean, huh? They would have beaten who? They would have beat who? If not going against Giannis, who would they have beaten? They would have had to play Atlanta. Phoenix would have beat Atlanta in the finals. Ooh, that would have been close. Phoenix doesn't match up well because it's Trey Young and DeAndre in the pick and roll. Yeah, they would. They would. They would have played. They would have played Atlanta if they didn't have to play Giannis. They would play Atlanta because Atlanta was was on the way to beating Milwaukee. That would be a great series. Atlanta was really clicking. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Atlanta would have been a, a worse matchup for Phoenix just because, like you said, Trey Young and John Collins would have just been jumping all around. Eight. <laughs> They're too athletic, too young, too hungry over that team. Yeah. And they brought the same team back. See how you do that, Utah? You bring the same team back. You add your pieces and you get it right. Anyway, <laughs> all of that. Yeah. So – so how we're going to do our power ranking is more along the lines of back to what I was saying before is our balling or stalling. So, Jason, do you have our list from last time at all anywhere? Yes, I do. Yes, okay. I, do. I have it right here. Our top ten list from last time was the Lakers, Warriors, which we got that right. The Warriors, definitely. Yeah, Warriors. You, most people didn't have the Warriors in the top three. Uh, Bucks, Nuggets, Heat, Bulls, Nets, Hawks, Suns, Knicks. Mm, mm, mm. Alrighty. So I guess the question is it's the hardest question. It's a question that hurts my heart. Is the <sighs> bowling or are they stolen? I I think that the head coach is stalling the talent that is ready to win an NBA championship. I think that the, his rotations are terrible. I think he doesn't really he doesn't really understand. Okay, Russell Westbrook's on the floor. Just put shooters out there. Usually, he'll do something stupid like put Rondo on the floor. Like I don't even know where to even start there. Uh, you know, he he doesn't test out lineups. He just kind of 
tries to fit people that fits his defensive scheme, not trying to put the right players out there on offense. So I think Frank Vogel is causing the Lakers to stall. I think if they were forced into the playoffs, 70 more games, figuring things out, I still think they could still win the NBA Finals, but I think their percentage is lower because of Frank Vogel. I think they're stalling because of Frank Vogel, and David Fisdale is on that staff. So I'd fire Frank Vogel, uh, um, hire David Fitzdale because he's was with the Miami Heat Big Three. He has plenty of head coaching experience. I think he'd be a much better fit on this team. Uh, the loss of Jason Kidd is very understated because I remember hearing a lot from other people, like listening to other things that Jason Kidd would be like, "Hey, put out this lineup. I know you don't want to, but go on and put it out." Like Jason Kidd, the loss of Jason Kidd is real. Like. You see Dallas and the way Porzingis is getting used over there. Jason Kidd is a real loss for them. So David yeah. Fisdale is uh, the guy and the reason why I think they're stalling. I still think they should be the number one team because I think they'll figure it out and the talent's so overwhelming and they're a bad matchup for the Warriors. But, uh, yeah, I would. that's where I'm at with them. I, I would agree with that, with the, with that, the fact that they're stalling. Um and you're completely right, and that's one thing that's just a glaring fact about the Los Angeles Lakers is that they are really feeling the burn of losing Jason Kidd right now because we've known Frank Vogel as not an offensive coach but a defensive coach. That's what yes. that was the one who had they last year. I think they had like number one defense or like close to it in like the in that season. You know what I mean? Especially with Caruso and things like that. Mm-hmm. You lose all your defense, add all this offensive firepower, but you don't hire. You don't have the right coach at the helm. To set it up, you have yeah. a defensive coach, but you don't have players who play defense. Carmelo never had been asked to play defense in his life. LeBron played defense. Um, Russell Westbrook plays defense, kinda maybe. Rondo don't play defense. That's not his specialty. Yeah. You don't have you 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 took you took out all of your three and D guys, replaced it all with offense, and was like, here, you know how to play defense as a coach. Teach these mm. guys how to ball. That's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to work. Their defense is ass this year. Is they have the worst defense in the league almost? Like it's terrible. And you're supposed to be the defensive guy. You're just shit in the bed right now with everything, offensively, defensively. I completely agree with that. The fact of the matter is that if the Lakers want to be the Lakers again and right the wrongs of last season. They would need to fire Frank Vogel. He has to go. Yes. It does not work anymore. Yes. And I know that so many people that you know the people in the organization are like, wait, let's hold on to him a little bit longer. He got us there one time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But look at your roster at that time. You had I mean three guys. Go, ahead, KC- go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, KCP, Jack Russo. You had you know you had Dwight playing you know playing at a. At a decent level, you know what I mean. He he had just I mean just coming just coming back into the league, trying to revitalize his career. Um, you had was it? You had one of the Morris twins. I mean, these are guys who are playing defense, knocking down shots, be, you know, being active yes. on that side of the, on the other side of the ball. You don't have that anymore. You have Carmelo, who's revitalized his career, who can get who can give you twenty nine points. You have Malik Monk, who can knock down some three, who can knock down some shots. Tim Horton Tucker, who's jump, who's um stepping up his game right now. These aren't people who yes. play defense at a high level. You got rid of all of your defense, all of your defense, 
increased your offensive firepower. And now you're basically asking people, and I'm gonna say this one more time because I, I have to say it one more time. And this this the glaring fact in everybody's face is that you're asking players, star players, you know, because a lot of these guys are stars from from other teams back in their day. Carmelo, I mean, he's he could be a star now, but he's Amazing not on the fit. level of star power. Huh? I said he's amazing fit. For sure. Not on the level of star yeah. as he was. Never in his career as a player asked to play defense. Now he's being asked to play defense. Never. So many players on this team have never in their career been asked to play defense, and now they're being forced to play defense. You're not going to win games that way. You, Carmelo can't can't guard a brick house. I mean, like, he can't guard the barn. Like, this is not his specialty. This is not what he's good at. You put the ball in his hand, you put him in an ISO, and he's going to get you to where you need to go. He's going to knock down the key shots to, to win you games. That's what you have him for. You know, and these you have to understand your personnel. Understand your team. Yeah, they There's a, a lack of understanding there, and that's why they're stalling. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think another good example, and you brought up the fi- NBA Finals from a few years ago, and I forgot about that. Uh the fact that they went 4-2 against that Miami Heat team is another example of Frank Vogel's not really doing the rotations right. Because that the, them Lakers team had so much more talent, right? Just was not, you know, being used the accurate way. So I was just going to kind of jump on your point, but I'm going to let Yoitz Rover here talk. Yeah, I um, uh, I agree. I agree with both, um, both takes on that. I had Lakers at number four. Uh, on my top ten list, and they, I, I guess they kind of fit better on my list because they're number eight in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, with with the Lakers, to me, I feel like they are stalling. Um, I, I don't want to put a hundred percent of it on the coaching because at the end of the day, they still have to go out there and play. And at the beginning of the season, trying, you know, Westbrook trying to get his feel for the game. I feel set them back a couple games behind where they could have been trying to figure out, you know, who's good at what. He he's he lives, he brought the same way that he plays everywhere else to the Lakers. And I thought they would kind of try to get him to do something a little different, not shoot as much, drive a little more, not worrying about having to kick out, actually go and try to finish at the basket. You know, once you get the ball off the pick and roll or a pass down the lane, go for the basket. You know, he's still doing his kickouts for assists. I think he's, he's – I don't think he's – is he in the top five for assists? He may be in the top five for assists I right think now. He, I think he has over 10 the last time. Oh, he has 8.6 right now. Okay. So he's still, he's still playing that Oklahoma City, Russell Westbrook. And I feel like in L.A. he doesn't have to do that. So many people can get their own shot. You just have to score yourself. And I feel like he's still planning as, you know, I got to get people involved and get everybody an easy basket when I don't think that's the case. I feel like they're stalling, but I don't think it's the coach. I think they they stalled this far because of, of Westbrook. His trial and error at the beginning of the season. Um. Okay, so I'm going to go – I'm going to talk about this first if you don't mind, Jason. So I do kind of agree with you in a sense that it was he did have some woes in the beginning of the season because I remember I made a video on it. If you haven't checked it out yet, check it out. Um, it's called the Westbrook problem. Um, 
basically, you know, in that video, I was talking about how, like, we see the same Westbrook come out. You know what I mean? He's taking the shots. He's de- he's not deferring to his shooters. He's kind of, like, gotten into a rhythm where he's a little bit better at that right now. He's kind of getting used to being on the team. He's kind of learning his personnel. That's what you have to learn as a point guard. You have to know who's on your team and how to make them better. Nobody's just going to walk into a court. Nobody's, I mean, everybody's not Chris Paul. They can't just walk into a court. Oh, I know you can shoot. I know what you can do. I'm going to go ahead and make you guys better immediately. It's like a learning curve for him. He's not used to doing that right away. Teams are normally built for him. He's not normally, he's not used to being put on a team. And that was where his struggles came from prior to becoming to the Lakers because he, normally the teams are for him. But these teams are not his teams. He's just on the team. It's different. Um, So he has to learn to fit that the current scheme of the you know of the Lakers but I will go ahead and say that we have to blame coaching for this as well we cannot just put it on Westbrook is because the the coaching you know did not put him in position to succeed I mean you like I said you have to know your players you have to know your players you have to know your personnel and you have to give them time to you know in order to um you know get past that learning curve. But with every with immediately as soon as you start as soon as the media, you know, starts dumping on your on your on your player, the guy who they just brought in and everybody wants to point the finger and it's not looking like it's working out, that does a lot for for, you know, the mental capacity of that player. Especially when it's coming it's, I mean Westbrook, I mean he could be one of the toughest players, but if every time you guys lose, everybody points the finger and says it's him, you know what I mean? That does something to your player. So now it's the time to step in as a coach. And come in and say, well, hey, listen. And then it doesn't work that these rumors are, are swirling around as well, especially in the beginning of the season as he's going through his time. They're saying, well, he if he plays bad again, he's going to get traded, and that doesn't look well. That doesn't look well. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I it should be pretty obvious that when you have LeBron James and Russell Westbrook, you can create forty-eight minutes of death. That has never been seen before other than maybe Matt, Michael, and Scotty, where you have two guys that are in the wings or at the guard position that attack the rim relentlessly and put a ton of pressure in the rim. Like, it it shouldn't be that complicated to build around them because even though they are ridiculously different in size, they play a similar brand of basketball. So it should not be that hard when you have so many scorers on your team to build a good rotation that fits what you're doing. So the head coaches, like there's the potential of having that is should scare the crap out of the other NBA teams because it's just insane. So yeah, I'm I'm with you, Chris. I think the head coach should be blamed. All right. So Moving on, you know, back down his list. Who was next? We had Golden State at number two, right? Yes. This is a no-brainer. The Golden State Warriors are bowling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, They're bowling. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, yes. talk to me, man. Oh, you know I love the Golden State Warriors. Uh, they're beautiful to watch. I mean, so much fun. If people that really love basketball, most people love watching them play because it's a beautiful ball movement. It's beautiful player movement. It's like a team in sync. Just some. It's Steve Kerr's. You know how I've always talked about this. Steve Kerr is. Yes, he's great at getting one through three and one through five to play well together. But his gift, even though he has some good gifts, is five, no, six through 12. 
6 through 12, whatever the best version of them as players is what they are in the Golden State Warriors. Sean Livingston didn't look like that on other teams. Maurice yeah. Spates didn't look like that on other teams. Leonardo yeah. Bobrosa didn't look like that on other teams. He is just a magician at that. So I, just, I love watching them play. Ball movement, the way the everything fits defensively. Draymond Green's basketball IQ, it's just beautiful. I love watching them play. So, yeah, what are you guys thinking? I'm just going to wax politically for like 30 minutes. So, you, you got to let you guys go. <laughs> I'm going to let Roper go first. Let me hear it. Um, I think I think the same. You know, Golden State, um, their, their entire roster all the way down to the last man, I feel like they really believe mm-hmm. they can beat anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and um, like you guys are saying, it starts with Steve Kerr. You know, then it goes to Steph, and Steph plays like he's a 10-year-old kid that got the <laughs> varsity players for the first time. Yeah. He's just having fun, and when your leader is having fun like that, I think it just trickles down for everyone to have fun, and, and that's just outside of basketball. I think that's just a mental state that Golden State is in, yes. and they're just excited to play. And, and, and people haven't been happy to play basketball lately, especially after the whole bubble situation and, you know, the change in the schedules and the, not being able to see your family. So being able to have fans in the stands and, and you know, he's he's doing his little dance moves. I feel like it starts with Steve. Yeah. And then it trickles down to Steph. Mm-hmm. And it goes down to the last man. I love, I love Golden State right now. Yeah. Oh, man. Golden State is playing phenomenal right now. It's like watching poetry in motion, especially when Curry has the ball or when he's on his when he's on his track meet ish and he's just running around the court, just making everybody yeah. smile. He's just smiling and waiting for the ball to come his way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like he's it's like he turned on 2K. <laughs> hit create a player, didn't make him super tall, put his shooting all the way up, and then turn the sliders all the way up for the entire team. That's your plan. And everybody uh, like a ninety nine overall. Everybody's like sixty two, seventy, yeah. <laughs> seventy four, maybe an eighty up there somewhere. But that's it. Either like a, this is you, this. This is how you can really watching the Golden State Warriors and watching the rest of the NBA. This is how you can separate elite from average mm. <laughs> and below average. Because mm. it's it's only one really elite team in the NBA, and that is the Golden State Warriors. That truly elite teams. I mean. The spur, they, it's like they took the Spurs ball movement, yes, perfected yes. and threw Curry in there and let him run circles around the around the defense. That's really what happened. <laughs> Honestly, it shouldn't be a surprise that Steve Kerr is so good off ball with you know him playing in the triangle and he played for Greg Popovich. Like it should make a lot of sense to people why he's so ridiculously gifted at every movement. Just supporting your uh, case there, Chris. And it's, it, the, the fantastic point that we all made here is that it starts with the coaching staff. Think about this for a second. Would any other coach be able to draw out of Steph Curry? Would Steph with Steve Curry have been able to draw out of Steph Curry? I mean, no. yeah, we were getting there with um, with Mark Jackson. We were getting Jackson. there. He, he assembled the team. But when the ball is put in Curry's hands, he knows exactly what to do with it. It's like he's mm-hmm. already knowing. The co- it's already – Curry can only just sit – he really just sits back and just smiles the entire game. That's really what happened. Yeah. He's just like, yep, yes. we, we already yeah. know what's going to happen. It's, he, he's ran him through the same um, rep so many times that it's just like, it surprises him sometimes what he can do. 
So it really starts with the coaching. It becomes infectious from there when your coach is having fun, the star player is having fun, and it trickles on down. We've really seen the, the, you know, the power of coaching, especially when you're going up against you know, top-tier talent when we had the Golden State Warriors with you know, Steph Curry, Draymond, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala. I'm talking about the very first iteration of this of the Golden State Warriors that won a championship, won a championship. Mm-hmm. And it was all yeah. due to Steve Kerr. I mean, it's Steve Kerr coaching and the players and how he was able to get them going. I mean, think about this for a second. Andre Iguodala, he's been in the league for I don't know how long. He he played, he was on a, he was a sixer. He was a dra- he was a drafted sixer. And he he won a finals MVP. He, he's he's gonna for sure go into the Hall of Fame just, just off that. Yes. Yes. Going into the Hall of Fame of rings it, as a top tier role player, and that's just mm-hmm. that's just the power of coaching. Yes. Go ahead, Rover. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think he hit all all the right points on it. He's definitely a future Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely would agree too. It's it's special. You can kick it to the next team, Chris. What was number three? Uh, uno momento, por favor. Milwaukee Bucks. All righty. Milwaukee Bucks. Okay. Got to ask the question. This is this is how it goes here. Are the Milwaukee Bucks? Are they balling? Or all they stole. Let it talk to me now, Jason. What you got? Um, I, I mean, can I just like choose the middle ground? I guess they're balling. Um, they're because they're not stalling. You know what I mean? They're not. They're not having any deficiencies. That's really anything to worry about. Um, one thing that I do really want to look forward to is Dante Divincenzo. Dante DiVincenzo whenever he comes back. I think he's an underappreciated layer that they had before he got injured. And he's also on the younger side, too, so you never know how he might grow uh, because Grayson Allen getting all those minutes for the Milwaukee Bucks doesn't really make a lot of sense. Uh, I think they're going to miss P.J. Tucker in the playoffs because he does all the little things that defensively Giannis is going to have to do now. He's going to have to put a mm-hmm. lot of more effort on the defensive end during the playoffs, which is going to worry me. Uh, but I we already know what they are as a team. They already know what they are as a team. They just want to be a championship. They're confident. Giannis is a demigod. He's a phenomenal basketball player. So, you know, I, they're a good team. Uh, they, they're a threat to come out of the East for sure. Uh, so, yeah, the Bucks are chilling in a good spot. I, I guess balling. You guess balling. Okay, that's a that's a so-so. That's right. a I don't really know. <laughs> Yeah, it's awesome. I'm more, I'm more in, in the middle as well. You know, I'm probably gonna say they're alling right now. <laughs> um, Got it. Be, with the caliber, especially coming off the championship, I feel like they shouldn't have that low of. I mean, their record is okay, fifteen and nine, but I don't think Phoenix should have a better record than them at this point. Uh, also, Jason mentioning Grayson Allen, his perspective. I think he's doing great for Milwaukee. He, he's a great catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. I think he's fourth in, in the league with 72 made already. Um, 
So I think he's he's doing what he can. I feel Milwaukee has to get that edge again, that that drive they had like close to the end of the end of the season last year, but they can definitely get back to it. I think they're they're all in. They're they're not they're not doing bad, but I feel like they have another level they can reach, especially with having a player like Giannis. Like he's the ultimate creative player. I know you know we want to say Steph is, but but Giannis with his height, the offense and defense, his his vision, you know, just the way he plays and get everyone involved. He's the ultimate um, player in my eyes. So I think they're alling right now. I would have to agree with both of you guys right there. They are they're not balling, they're not stalling, they're kind of eh, we're here. You know, they're kind of just there right now. And that's not something that you want to look for from your from your, you know, past NBA champion. They just won a championship months ago, like now. Like we're still yeah. in the same year. They won a championship back in what, August? That's not that long yeah, ago. Not, not like, long. Yeah, it's not that I think it was August. Maybe it might have been before then. Maybe like June, I think. June was the last game. Might have been. Anybody? I think it might have been June or August. Late June, early August. They just won a championship. That's that's what? We're in December now. That's like three, four months ago. Mm-hmm. They just won a championship. And they are, for lack of a better word, underachieving. Because you know what you are. You have the same team. You know what I mean? And the team... Yes, you, these teams didn't, weren't completely put together. You know what I mean? They were missing pieces. They were riddled with injuries and things of that nature. But you're being shown up. You don't expect this from your NBA champion. And that makes. And then <clears throat> because they're being shown up and because you know what they are and the fact that they're not achieve, that they're not performing, they should, in my opinion, if I'm if I'm look if I'm thinking previous NBA champion, I'm thinking, oh, they must be a one seed, a two seed. You know, somewhere in there, they're, right now they're division league standing. They are the sixth team in the NBA, in the NBA, in the NBA, in the league. They're the sixth best team. That is a scream champion to me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It just, it just doesn't. Especially when you have Brooklyn sixteen and seven, Utah. We know what Utah is. We're not going to even include them. Fifteen and seven. <laughs> but Chicago. 16 and 8. Phoenix, the team they beat last year to win the championship, 19 and 4. You're not screaming to me that, hey, I'm a champion. This is what I've done this already. I know how to get there. We know the formula. This is the teams we should be beating. You're not screaming that to me right now. And that's where I want to say, like, they're in the middle ground because we know what they are. But just at this present moment, they're in the middle. They're literally in the middle. It's like we could go up, we can go down. That's where they're at right now. I'm expecting yeah. more to come from them coming up, you know, probably after the all-star break, maybe when they come back to full power. But we know what Giannis is capable of. We know what, you know, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton are capable of. We know what the guys are capable of. They're definitely missing PJ Tucker because of what he's able to do on the defensive side of the ball. Um I just I'm just expecting more. So they're I'm just gonna say. I'm gonna go with it. They're all in, <laughs> or they're in. we don't know what we are. They're normal. They're average Joes right now because they're in the middle. They're not great. They're not bad. They're just there, and that's not that's not screaming champion to me. Think about how previous champions have came out in the in the season in the season coming up. You know what I mean? Like yes, the NBA has gotten better, but like 
the season following a championship, so many teams have overachieved or achieved what we thought they would achieve. And now we're just looking at Milwaukee like, I didn't even know. I was I had to look it up. I was like, where, where, what's their record? Because they mm-hmm. in the middle, literally in the middle. Yeah. Just in the middle. So I would say they're they're not stalling. They're not falling. They're there. We know they exist. We know what they're capable of. I want to see them do it. That's where I'm at with it. Yep, I agree. Yeah, I agree. All righty. Moving on, Jason. Hit me with the next team, man. Denver Nuggets was four. Oh, it's a little biased, but the Denver Nuggets are stalling. I know Agreed. it's a little I know this is a little bit, you know, surprising coming from me, knowing how much I love the Denver Nuggets. But with all the potential they have on that roster, on that team, and we're coming back and we're trying to get Jamal Murray back, you know, once he comes back, you know what I mean? We're still waiting on that. We're waiting. MPJ, he's, he's out right now. So they're, they're looking for their next piece. They're not hit. They're not firing like I thought they would be right now. They were in the beginning, and then they kind of just slid on down the slope. Injuries. Now they have. Now they have to tap into that bench now, and I'm wondering if they are willing to. And if they're not willing to, then I will stick by my stance that they are stalling, because we both know, and I'm pretty sure Rover as well. You watch NBA enough. We know what their bench is capable of. We know what they have on their bench, but do they know what they have on their bench? They have trade assets or future NBA stars on their bench, or maybe even maybe even playing G League right now because they can't get any playing time on their team. If they do not tap into that bench and bring some of those players up, they are stalling and they will not reach the potential they want to reach because of the fact, I mean, at least on this season coming forward because of we're because of the MPJ injury and because they are just not cutting it right now. They slid. They slid. I have such it, – it takes a lot. It's hurting me right now. It takes a lot because they were – I was so big on it. I was like, oh, man, the Denver Nuggets, Denver Nuggets, they are going to win. They're, the, they're going to be the best team, this, this, this. And now you're disappointing me. I'm disappointed. Very. Look those guys. And you have stars. Future stars on your bench. Realize what you drafted it. You know what you have. If you don't want to use it, trade it. You have assets. Don't sit on gold. Go ahead. Talk to me, Jay. Man, I'm so glad that we talked about this because I've been a ticking time bomb about the Denver Nuggets for about two weeks. And yeah. I'm about to just <laughs> I, I I can't hold it in anymore. First things go. first, the Denver Nuggets GM is the best GM in basketball. Honestly, no, Jokic was a second round draft pick. Yosef Nurchik, who's the center for the Portland Trailblazers, was drafted by them too. They drafted MPJ. They drafted Jamal Murray. They drafted Bones Highland. They drafted Bull Bull. Like they're ridiculous. Whoever is that GM is best GM in basketball. The head coach is the most overrated head coach in basketball. I don't even think he's top 10. I don't even think he's top 15. I Top 20, top 20, I, I would fire him. 
Why? Oh, I'll tell you why. I, this is the ticky time bomb in me. All right. So Christopher Muhammad, two years ago, your Denver Nuggets made it to the Western Conference Finals around Nikola Jokic's and Jamal Murray's pick and roll, right? Yep. Okay. Amazing. Perfect. Okay. So that's one solid about solid thing about our team. Okay. When I got Will Barton, he's going to do that at a lower level, right? Than Jamal Murray. Yep. Okay. So you have all these things about your team that you like. You have Aaron Gordon. You have all this stuff. Wait. Do you have a seven foot two? Guy that has guard skill that gets 4.2 minutes per game. That's ridiculous. Bull Bull gets 4.2 minutes per game. It's been a few years since he's come out of college. The guy looked like a demigod in the G, in the like, what was it, the G League summer, summer league. Yeah, summer that- league, he was like, I was expecting him for them, him to look like a bum because I was like, why is the seven foot two guy with guard skill not coming off the bench at all for the Denver Nuggets? He destroyed everybody. It was ridiculous. He's a seven foot two guy with guard skill. He should be their power forward. And then look at Michael Porter Jr. He's averaging less than ten points per game. It's because they have him playing the role of Jay Crowder. They just have him stand in the corner and literally he was the number one recruit coming out of college because he could ISO. He was like the next KD. He has all this skill, all this game, all this development, and they don't use it at all. You know how scary how how you could scare the crap out of the Golden State Warriors by walking out six seven foot seven foot two and six foot eleven all out against the Warriors small ball be like we can switch and move like what how are you not thinking of these things seriously it's ridiculous it's the worst coach I've ever I've ever seen that runs a good team. It's because they're uber talented, and yes, they have a thing about their team that works. The pick and roll with Jokic, you put any guard that can ball handle and shot create, he's going to work. He's he's an MVP for a reason. He's special. And they also have, like, like the good example of how good this GM is, is they have this guy named Zeke Naji. I was literally watching them play without, like, most of their starters, and the guy is literally a defensive force of nature and moves fluidly at six foot nine. Like, the, that's how insanely deep this team is. Nobody even knows who that guy I just said who his name is. He averages eight points per game. Yeah. Like, this is insanity. Like, you can rotate him behind Jokic and have this defensive force that switches. Just, you, okay, you made a mistake trying to acquire Aaron Gordon. Accept your, lick your wounds and just bring him off the bench. Like, you, you have Eric Gordon off the bench. Ah, <sighs> just, it's... Every time it makes me upset. I just need to cool down now. I'm gonna let you guys go. Let's stop you right there. Why are we starting Aaron Gordon? <laughs> well, he's like he's like a poor man's Blake Griffin at this point. Because all like or he wants to be a poor man's Blake Griffin. Blake he Griffin wishes. has so many more skills that Aaron Gordon just do not possess. You know, Blake Griffin, he first he couldn't shoot, you know. What I mean, he's just dunking all over the place. Where is Aaron Gordon? Dunk contest, dunking all over the place, okay. But Blake Griffin has vision. <laughs> he can shoot. He's doing so many different things. And Aaron Gordon is just dunking on his former team. And we're, ooh, ah, no, fuck that. Where's Bull Bull? <laughs> <laughs> That's what should happen. Honestly, I really thought that. Bobo will be getting a lot more playing time than what he is now. Um, D 
Denver, I really just, like they said, they, they make you so upset to the point where you really don't even want to watch it mm-hmm. because they're not even using all of their assets to their full potential. Yes. Um, you would think having someone like, you know, um, you know, Michael and, and like even Aaron, I feel can, can play a little better than, than what he's been playing. But just this whole waiting for Jamal to come back, scheme their plan, it's not going to get them anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to get them anywhere. And and you mentioned the coaching. Is this coaching worse than Frank's? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, okay. Hey, this is the guy from the Marcus Cousins Sacramento Kings. He was the coach then. Mike Malone. Oh, my gosh. No way. He really oh, man. was. He was the coach then. You can look it up. Oh, Mike man. Malone. Yeah, it's it's sometimes good. Terrible coaches get great talent, and this type of ridiculousness happens. Literally, I could you imagine Greg Popovich being dropped over there? They would literally instantly become like contenders. Yeah, five seconds later. Poor Greg Popovich. I always feel bad for him. For some reason, he always has a team that's basically a G League team, like round tenth. Tenth of the standings. I don't know how he does it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Since he lost his stars, since he lost Tony Parker and Tim, and Tim Duncan and you know Patty Mills and Kawhi Leonard decided to jump ship. He hasn't. Been- <laughs> that's that's how you know how bad it is when you say Patty Mills is your stars. Twenty six points. You never believe that. You would never in years guess that his career average was thirteen point six points. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. <clears throat> I'm glad I got that off my chest. I'm glad you did too. And we, like, I want to go back real quick and just talk about uh, Rover's point, where we are really playing this, you know, waiting game with the Denver Nuggets. You're like, wait a second, don't judge us yet because. Mm-hmm. We have Jamal Murray who's recovering. Yes, they're like they're like dangling him out in front of us. Like, ooh, Jamal Murray, look at him. He's coming yes. back. He's coming back. He's like, don't ignore us losing games. Ignore us not using playing to our full potential, Jamal yes. Murray. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? They're like, it's like they're playing. They're like taking him, shaking, shaking him in front of us, in front of us, like we're babies and going shiny. <laughs> like, yeah, yep. like, do Ooh, look at the shiny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like jingling keys in front of our face. <laughs> Murray. Uh, <laughs> that team, that team. I was, I was ready to blow up on that. Yeah, the fuse was cooking. <clears throat> All right, we can get the next one. Yeah. Next team is the Miami Heat. <sighs> um. Mm, so. I guess I got to ask you, Jason. Are the Miami Heat, are they balling or are they stalling? Well, mm, that's a tough question because I do think that they're balling as a team, but I think they're stalling their true potential because they have arguably the best scorer on their team that could literally be an all-star on the Cavs. Oh, that's their sixth man that I 
completely disagree with and every time I talk about get upset about. So, you know, I I think they have a new layer of potential. It's surprise when you put out your best scorer on your starting run lineup, you do better as a team. Who would have thought? Yeah, like that's kind of blowing right now because Duncan Robinson definitely should just be like sat down a little bit more than what he is, and we oh should really uplift Tyler Hero for sure. He yeah. definitely needs to be lifted up, definitely needs to be playing, get more minutes because when he's on the court, he makes a difference. He's a scoring machine. He, he's, he's actually better paired with Jimmy Butler because it, it, it takes, you know, it allows Jimmy Butler to be, to do what he's really great at because Jimmy Butler is a good scorer, but he's an even better defender. So when you throw yes, up there, you now he can just, okay, look, I'm going to lock you down and then I'm going to get my points. You know what I mean? He can really mm-hmm. truly lead a team that way when he doesn't have to, we not have to throw <clears throat> the scoring load on Jimmy Butler. Yeah. I mean, how many times we're going to see Jimmy Bovich drop 40 points? That, that I mean, like, you know, that's not going to normally happen. We've seen him overachieve in the finals with the Lakers, you know what I mean? And to go overboard, you know what I mean? It, but that was then. That's not something that we're going to get on a nightly basis from Jimmy Butler. Like I said, yeah. he's a good scorer, but he's an even better defender. Let him defend at a high level. Let him lead his team. Let him get everybody involved and get that spark running. And you let mm-hmm. Tyler Hero run wild on every defense because who's going to stop him? Nobody. Exactly. Let's see what you got, Rover. Uh, with me, I feel like well, I had Heat um at number seven. Mm-hmm. So my take on on Jimmy is he's he's been the same since Philly, since Minnesota. You know, I don't think his game has dropped at all to put any type of blame or anything on him. No. Um, they're not doing that bad. With a, they're 14 and 10, right? Something like that. Yeah, so they already have a better record than L.A. Um, so I, I, I really don't have anything negative to say. Um, I uh, agree with you guys' points, but I, me personally, I don't have anything negative to say about how they've been playing. I feel like um, Tyler had a point where he was trying to, you know, feel like he should be one of the best young stars and he should be getting more recognition and things like that. He's been playing to that a little bit. Um, yeah, I really don't have anything bad to say about Miami. I just I have to say it a little more. Like I said, they've only – Play twenty four games. Mm-hmm. Maybe when we get to the fifty mark, I'll start to see whether they're balling or not. But yeah, I'm just gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say they're balling just because of just because of the history of the team. You know, since you know post LeBron, mm-hmm. I'll say I'll say they're balling right now. All right, yeah. Well, the next team then on the list is the uh, Chicago Bulls. Oh! Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, easy. man. That's an easy list. Talk to us, man. Talk to us, man. <laughs> Chicago Bulls are bowling. We fly. And we called it. And oh. we called it. Hey. Hey. We, we told you. We told you. Yeah. I, I, I made a YouTube video about it before preseason. And we told you multiple times on this podcast. We called it. We you heard it from here first. All right, go ahead, Chris. 
Oh my gosh. The Chicago Bulls are bowling. I mean, like, really, really, really bowling. I mean, when they put this team together mm-hmm. in the offseason, I honestly would not have thought that this is what, you know, that they would over they would achieve so much. Like, I honestly would not have thought that at all. I like, I mean, I understood the fit and I was like, this is a good fit, but I didn't know it was gonna be this good of a fit. I mean, listen, I'm just gonna start by saying this real quick. Zoe was playing out of his mind right now. Like, who would have ever thought he just like clutch threes? I mean, this is the guy who was like, Oh, his jump shot's broken. His dad's like, mm-hmm. you know, fix his jump shot. And what he was fixing his jump shot, and now he's like going but nuts, but the big thing here is that do, are we going to finally give Zach Levine credit for his scoring abilities? Will he finally get the credit? He's so underrated. He has to, we have to acknowledge Zach Levine. We have mm-hmm. to acknowledge him. Well, you know, and we have to acknowledge DeMar DeRozan as well because he's playing at an all-star level. All three of these guys are playing at an all-star level. If they, if these three do not make the all-star team, something's wrong. And they, wow. and and the media loves Chicago because who used to play there? Michael Jordan. This is the is the the basketball city. You know what I mean? Everybody loves Chicago. These three guys have to make it somewhere. They they have to be appreciated. You can no longer underrate these guys. You can no longer throw them under sweep them under the rug and say. Oh, uh, never mind. It's just Zoe. Oh, uh, never mind. It's just DeMar DeRozan. Oh, uh, never mind. It's just Zach Levine. You can no longer do this. These guys are balling. Mm-hmm. Balling out of control. Balling. Yeah. I they're, would agree. Like, Go ahead. One Go of the, ahead. They're, one of the, they're like, you're not the top team in the East, but they're one of the top teams in the East. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Easily. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. They're balling. Um, everything is happening at an efficient rate too. Nobody, because now these guys aren't on terrible teams anymore, so they don't have to overextend and do too much. They can just kind of play within themselves and make good decisions and be efficient. So yeah, Zach Levine has needed his credit for a while now. He's a great perimeter shot creator for himself and attacker of the basket at an extremely high level. He would fit so beautifully in what the Houston Rockets were trying to do a few years ago with James Harden. But uh, DeMar DeRozan is the opposite, world-class mid-range destroyer. They're both underappreciated passers, and they both are putting an effort on defense. Zach Levine's progression defensively in the Olympics is really starting to show. He's, he was known for a while as a lackluster defender, but surprise, the slam dunk champion athlete that has six foot six size can play defense when he wants to. Uh, so, so can Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball's got a great defensive basketball IQ, world class. He got basketball IQ on both sides of the game. They just fit so beautifully. And Vucevic is very skilled. It's just, it's a team that fits so well and they play really great defense. Billy Donovan. Really good fit for this team defensively. As he's always been a good defensive head coach, so uh, yeah, I I love the way they're playing. Love the Bulls. What do you think, in Rover? Wait, where you go? What? We cannot forget Caruso. We can't do that. It's okay. Yeah, you can talk about him. Yeah, we can't forget Caruso. I, I'm he's just star of his role. He star of his role. That's yes. that's a perfect way to say it. he's the star yes. 
of his role. Go ahead. We, we it's got it's got to love Caruso. Go ahead. Yes, it was like when the Tristan Thompson was with the Cavs and stuff like that. People yeah. used to talk about LeBron used to talk about starring in your role. Those teams. So yeah, he's a good fit in that. So yeah, go ahead, River. Yeah, they're balling, man. They're um, they're they're everything you pushed in the last take that we did when I was on with you guys. Are you a believer now? You pushed. Yeah, yeah, I am. I was a believer then. By the end, I said the more you keep mentioning them, the more I'm starting to see it fit. <laughs> and everything you said has come to pass. I mean, with the way they're all playing, you know, how you guys were giving their individuality for everyone. Then being able to switch between the one and the three, they're all the same height. They play the same. I mean, they have their own individual game, but they're, you know, they're, they're all take pride in, in sharing the ball and playing defense. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think is making it hard for the next team also because normally you come in, you have a point guard that's going to play a certain way. You have a shooting guard that's going to play a certain way. He's going to come off and rolls. He's going to catch and shoot. He's going to – but all three of them can play either one, roll one through three. And you'll never know when they turn it off or on, you know, play by play. You're kind of just going to have to go. And then mentioning Caruso – He's literally the best thing to ever happen to L.A. They're hurt right now because they don't have him. For sure. And Bulls are taking full advantage of Caruso. And and to me, I've never even seen him play like how he's playing, man. Like, I, I know he plays like that with the energy, but the way he's just getting to the basket and picking his spots and just diving for loose balls and – just man, he locked up Steph one time and knocked the ball out of bounds. You know, he knocked out his hands twice, and I think that's probably the best defensive play of the year so far. You know, just mm-hmm. with Caruso. So I'm starting to like the Bulls, man. They' growing on me. They're young, they're hungry. I just can't wait to the playoffs. I want to see how they go up against the teams that actually, you know, they have to fight to stay in the stay in the game. So what I have to ask you guys is that, you know, based off the Bulls, and we know that a lot of these teams we're mentioning on this list are of the championship caliber. um, What is their ceiling? Are they a NBA finals? Are they Eastern Conference finals? Do they need an extra piece? Are they there already? Thoughts? They need a piece. They're missing something. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I don't think, I don't think they're missing anything. I think, um, as long as they're playing just like this, sharing the ball, not letting anything go to their head, and full energy and picking their spots and sharing the ball, I feel like Bulls can be anybody at this point in the East. In the East. You know, we haven't mentioned the West. You know, obviously Golden State is going to go crazy there. L.A. is there once they get their head on track. But you're talking about Heat, Charlotte, you know, Brooklyn even, the Bucks. I just don't feel them being so crazy enough that they'll just knock out the Bulls that easy. They play with a different type of determination than any team I've, I've seen this year. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Quick tangent, though. Speaking of Charlotte, did you see that Charlotte, that Charlotte came against the Milwaukee Bucks? LaMelo played out of his yeah. mind. Yeah. <laughs> like right now, like yeah, Lamelo's oh a superstar. Gosh, like in the future or like borderline right now. 
I can't think of the last time that a somebody this young has naturally created a style of play and a feel of play and a great culture and completely flipped out an organization since like they're not comparable in games, but Steph. Steph brings an enjoyment to the fans, brings enjoyment to others. He's infectious. That's the word I'm going for, I guess. LaMelo Ball is infectious with the way he plays. It's it's borderline magic-like. I, yeah. I, I'm not going to – magic's the greatest point guard of all time. I'm not making that comparison yet, but it's he's special. I don't think he's been yeah, a point guard really, like that really since rare to find Kyrie's like draft. When Kyrie went to Cleveland – and how he changed Cleveland. We had that stint after LeBron left, and they just didn't know how they were going to get over that hump. When Kyrie got there, Kyrie plays mm-hmm. so special, and he has a, such a unique game that it just brought attention to Cleveland, even though they weren't winning a lot. And then I think that's what he's doing mm-hmm. for Charlotte. But they're actually playing very well together. Yeah. So he's bringing the energy yeah. there like Zion did with New Orleans, but they're actually playing well yes. together. Yeah. Zion just brings the fans to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. New Orleans really has a lot to figure yes. out. That's not something I want to get into, though, because it, it pisses me off. Go ahead. What's the next team? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So. Next team is Brooklyn the Brooklyn Nets. Nets. They're another one of those teams. I can't say that they're balling, but I won't say. You know what? I would say, and I may not be getting, you know, many people may not agree with me, but the Brooklyn Nets, in my opinion, they're stalling. They're stalled. I would only say this only because, yeah, they're winning games. They have the number one record in in the East right now. But they could be doing so much better. I mean, like, I know there's only so much you could do right now, you know, considering that, you know, what you have to go through as far as, like, you don't have Kyrie, you're putting James Harden in a position he's never been in before. But with just pure talent on the roster and what they could accomplish on with the, what they accomplished last year, comparatively, they're stalling. And it's a lot of times where, you know, they just play just James Harden and Kevin Durant, you know what I mean? Sometimes they play just Harden and Kyrie. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not seeing exactly where we get this fall off from, but there's been a fall off. It's, I mean, it could be the new rule that's really, 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 truly affecting James Harden from really being as effective as he wants to be on the court. But they're not living up to expectations right now. Especially what we said, you know, going into the season where it was like, yeah, the window closed for every other team because the Brooklyn Nets are here. They're real deal with the type shit and now we kind of got to like i'm kind of reneging on that because i'm like i'm not sure anymore i'm acknowledging kd i will acknowledge kd you know he's gonna get his james harden is gonna get his but it just seems like the team is just it's here but we're not dealing with it because we don't have to Yeah, I would I would say they're stalling from a different uh point of view personally. Um so basically 
I love, you know, I'm the James Harden fan here. Uh, you know, I've always loved him. Joe Harris is finally starting to come back in the lineup that's helping things. But I think that, I think since Kyrie came, I have the same problem that I have before. When Since Kyrie has come onto this team, it was okay. James Harden's going to step back more than we expected, but it was what they needed because he was the passer of the team. It's like, okay, Kyrie, you, you, I'm going to let you just score. I'm going to be that point guard, and I'm also going to do my thing sometimes, but I don't have to just force it all the time. I think, still think he's playing as though Kyrie Irving is still on the team with him. He's only attempting yeah. 14.6 shots a game. I mean, that's really low. I mean, KD is attempting almost 20. So I, I think he needs to be more aggressive creating his perimeter shots. He's starting to figure out what he can draw fouls-wise and what he cannot. It's starting to okay. He's starting to adapt. I think he needs to be more aggressive trying to score because other than KD, Patty Mills, and uh, uh, James Harden, nobody can create them shots for themselves other than Cam Thomas too. But he's a lower-level guy. Um, the rest of the guys are, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge is a good player. They also need to figure out what they want to be. Do you want to go really big with Claxton, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, and uh, what's his name? Uh, Power pa- uh, Paul Millsap. Or do you want to play smaller with Claxton and Durant and uh, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, and James Harden have a lineup like that? I also think Bruce Barron, again, for the 3,000th time, he's a good role player, but he can't do really much anything offensively. He's getting way too many minutes. I'll say it for the umpteenth time. He's like a six four six three version of P.J. Tucker for guards, and they play him as they literally use him to set screens for James Harden and Patty Mills and be the big. Like I it's it was a neat trick that worked when you had all the superstars, but I don't think it's working right now and I'm uh, I think I'm they're stalling. I think they're gonna figure I'm it out probably but be the I only person I'm gonna say that I think they're all in. Because I wouldn't say they're necessarily stalling because I think they're still out there playing to win. You know, in their first couple of press conferences without Kyrie, they mentioned that they still have a job to do, that they're going to focus on who's there and they're going to play. So I don't think missing Kyrie is on their mind to make them perform any worse. But I do feel like there's another tier just like with Milwaukee. Like, I feel like they're kind of they're they're in an idle mm-hmm. stage at this point. They're idling. They're just going. They're just playing their game. You know, no one's dropped a a fifty. You know, no no one's have you know no one's gone crazy uh, as far. So I don't know. I think I think they've done they've done a great job so far. They have another level they can reach. But I'm like I'm liking them so far. I'm not I'm not gonna, you know they they're already dealing with so much with the Kyrie situation, you know them having the the record they have, being number one in the East still, with that conversation going on. I feel like they're done. Yeah, I just feel like they're no longer the team to beat. 
Yeah, they've lost that. Oh, you you think they've lost the drive? No, I'm just saying like, they're no longer just totally like they're just no longer the team to beat. You know what I mean? Like last year, at least you know, full power, Kyrie included. We had we were more along the lines that okay, they were it's basically NBA champion or NBA championship or bust for Brooklyn Nets. You know what I mean? I mean, it's still that, but it's, I feel like we can kind of simmer down on We're like, we're, people are starting to simmer down on the Nets. They're not like, I still, go ahead. I think they, I think they still might be the team to beat in the East. I, now the, we start talking about the West. That's where things uh, – they're not the team to beat yeah. in the NBA. Yeah. But I I think I think it, the the mm-hmm. East right now runs through the yeah, Bucks true. and the Nets. That's true. Got, I mean, like, yeah, I'm talking about, like, Lashes they were to the get through. in the league, period. Like, they were just that team. And, like, that's why I'm saying, like, they're stalling because, like, I feel like they have that potential to be that team again. It's just, mm-hmm. like, they're just that's not true. there. They're there, but they're not there. If, if it's making any sense. Right. Hmm. What you- that was that was very poetic right. of you. Hit me with the next thing, man. <laughs> yeah, William Shakespeare up here. <laughs> oh, Atlanta. Uh the next team's number eight, the uh, Atlanta Hawks. You can answer this one for me, Jay. Mm-hmm. Well. Well, as you guys know, I was the one that predicted them to beat the 76ers. Got that right before the playoffs, the series happened. I think they're stalling. Uh, so basically, they're at an odd crossroads. One of the reasons why I loved them last year is because 1 through 12, they have a bunch of guys who could create their own shot. It's time to finally say goodbye to Lou Williams being a real factor in the playoffs off the bench. Age has finally gotten to him. Uh, Daniel Garonari, similar thing. Like a lot of the role players are starting to really hit age. Now Cam Reddish is coming into a, a good form for them. Um, they, they have to figure out what how they're going to rotate DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish to build a team going moving forward. But yeah, I think they're stalling a little bit. I think they'll, you know start to get in a groove pretty soon here but yeah i think i think they don't have yeah. the same depth that it used to be like I'm wow the eye test that they're six through 12 is so atlanta special. i didn't even have atlanta on my top 10 <laughs> during that time that, that we spoke um together you guys got them at number eight i had utah at eight which is chris's favorite team um, <laughs> and I feel like Atlanta doing they're doing okay. They're doing um <laughs> exactly where I thought they would be. I'm not sure if they have a better record than New York at the moment. They might. I think Knicks are eleventh in the in the standing, so Atlanta has to be higher. Um Trey Young is, you know, in top five in points per game, twenty six point two, he's top five in assists. With Don Point One, so I think they're playing very well off of, off of Trey Young mm-hmm. and getting their mix. Like I said, they're, it's it's only between 20, 23 to twenty five games in right now. 
I feel like we're at that 50 mark. We'll really know who's trying to chase a ring this year. That's why I, I kind of eased up on Brooklyn, you know, just because, you know, there, there's a lot of other teams I feel. Yeah. They seem to play well, but we're going to see as, as the season go if they continue. You know, John Collins is amazing. You know, uh, just Trey is high Trey at this point. You know, I'm I'm loving Atlanta. I'm loving Atlanta right now. They're balling. You think they're balling? Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, I would have to agree with Jason. I think that they're stalling. I think that we know what they're capable of. We know what they're able to do. But just with the depth, we're not seeing the same depth that we saw. You know, that man's falling in love with the team. They had, they really had six through twelve locked up. You know what I mean? They had all those young guys who were ready and willing to come off the bench and create for that team, and they just. It's not really, not really going over anymore. Is if we have a better word. Um, so yeah, definitely stalling. Definitely stalling. We, I, I, I think, and it also could be due to the rule change. With the rule change, a lot of these players are really like not being able to really showcase talent anymore because it's like we're getting fouled, or you know, what I mean. Where not, I mean, not really showcase talents. What I'm saying is that they're not putting up the same numbers anymore because they're not getting the same calls. Alrighty, so hit me with number nine now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because we already number nine talked is about the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns. Suns Something we kind of already um, talked about. Do you want to skip them? Okay. The Knicks. Number ten is the New York Knicks. I would Last say before we make our own rankings, they're balling. They're 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 doing pretty well. They're doing pretty well. I mean, yeah, they're a team. They're like a couple games behind Atlanta, so that's their rivalry. They live with that, but they've been playing pretty good so far. I mean, they had a couple bad games where the rest kind of screwed them over, but other than that, I mean, they've been balling so far. I mean, we is they're really exactly the team that we thought they would be as far as with Julius Randle and, and you know Kemba Walker. They're looking good. I mean, they might, you know, with the play-in tournament, they could shock a team. What you got for me, Jay? Um, I think they're stalling a little bit because of the way they're tr- the the different disagreements with Kemba Walker makes me weary because. You know, the way that team's built before they had the Kemba walker Derek Rose pairing was a team that, yes, you play great defense. Yes, I know you're Tom Thibodeau. Yes, I know you're going to do that in every game and every game of the playoffs, but you need a certain level of scoring to really be, you know, effective. And I think the way they're treating Kemba Walker and, you know, that pairing with Derek Rose – should be, okay, we have 48 minutes of shot creation between Derrick Rose and Kemba Walker, and we also have R.J. Barrett, the two-guard. Like, that's a pretty good combination. Um, so I I, dis- now, I say they're Nick stalling Faithful, a little bit. Rover, talk to me. That's what you got to say about your team? That's my only I'm just so hurt right now that you had the nerve to say Knicks were balling, but Atlanta was stalling. <laughs> Uh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. I mean, I'm happy, but I'm hurt because because I feel like they're they're that equal team. You know, they're they're 
you know, equal in, you know, where, where they are in the rankings and standings every year and the way they play. And, and I felt like Atlanta was also where they need to be. And I feel like Knicks are where they need to be at this moment in, in, in the season being, being 24 games in, you know, so I'm going to say Knicks are balling also. I feel both are balling. They're not high in the standings right now, but like I said, it's early. You know, they're they're still figuring stuff out. Yeah, I believe I believe they're balling. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Alrighty, so yeah. now that we we have done our these teams balling or stalling and had a lot of fun doing that, now what I want each of the guys to do is give me what is their top five teams. Right now, as the season stands, right now, give me your top five. You want to do a top ten? Tell me your top ten. I thought we were doing top ten. Yeah, tell me your individual top ten. Yeah, because we did top ten last time. I just want to you know. my top ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I know it's going to be controversial, but I'm still going to the Lakers number one. Warriors are two. Uh, number three. That's where things become tough. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Nets three. Mm, I'm gonna go with the Bucks three. I'm gonna go Nets four. Uh, I'm gonna go. Heat five, Bulls six. No. I'm gonna go. Wait, I didn't haven't said the Suns yet. I I would probably have the Suns above the Bulls. The Suns. No, I I changed that. Suns Sun Seven. Number eight would be the Dallas Mavericks. Number nine would be the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, I love the way they're playing. Um. <laughs> uh, this is tough, 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 tough. I'm I'm gonna go with the uh... crazy. Okay, what you got uh, for me, Rory? Give me your top ten. ten. My top ten. Okay, my number one. Well, my my list is gonna be fairly similar to what I had previously because I felt like. Everything I've I've stated as far well except the Lakers, I got faith in the Lakers. So my number one will be Milwaukee. They're they're the reigning champs. I feel like they have another level they can they can reach to to become um, the number one seed in the East. Um, second, I'm gonna put Brooklyn, just because we have the demigod in KD and he can always turn up a notch as well. Number three, Golden State. They've been playing wonderful way past what I thought they were going to be without their uh, second best shooter ever to play the game. Number four, LA. Um, Once I feel Westbrook can find a way to get into it, like you said, maybe they get a different coaching staff and move it up. David Fisdale. I feel like they can stay at number four or five. I'll put Phoenix at five. Um, I love the way they're playing and, that winning streak they had is going to be amazing um, later on. Six, 
Bulls. I know I gotta talk about them, Chris. You already know about the Bulls. Um, seven and eight. Um, then I got eight, Utah, nine, Knicks, and then ten, I'm gonna go Charlotte. Ten Charlotte, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna put Charlotte at ten. They're doing great right now. Wow, okay, so we all have really weird teams. Okay, so I number one I have Golden State. I, I can't deny the fact that that's greatness there. That's greatness personified. That is that is a that is a great team, great greatly coached, great talent on that team, greatly put together. Perfect. Second, I would have the Phoenix Suns. And I know this is gonna be controversial, especially on this podcast, but I've already said it. These two teams are neck and neck. We can no longer deny this. I don't think I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna renege on this and I'll see what, what it comes to in the playoffs. But I de- I said the window was closed. I agree with you then, Jason. I think the window's still open. I think the window's still open. I think the window of opportunity has even opened a little bit more now. But we are only we're still really early in the season, so I want to see how the rest of the season go. But as it stands, the window has not closed. It's wide open. It's bay windows at this point. Um and then at number three, I can't put Milwaukee. I would have to do Brooklyn. I would do Brooklyn at number three for me. Um, I would only do Brooklyn instead of Milwaukee is because hmm. Brooklyn, I think they may have a little bit more, you know, people like, yeah, you know, Brooklyn's that team. But they didn't win an NBA championship, and I really still believe that the Bucks are underachieving right now. And I can't, I can't sit them at three because I believe they're underachieving. I think the Brooklyn Nets currently, currently, currently stated right now because they are the number one seed, and I believe they will finish the season with the number one seed. They are the better team. Um, but I would put Milwaukee at four. Um, like I said, they over, they're underachieving until they can show me something and play like and play like a championship caliber team. You know what I mean, and really reach the highest that that we know that they can reach because they won a championship. Then I would I would put them a little bit higher. Um, so maybe by the end of the season, maybe we'll be seeing something different. If maybe it's made the same outcome, maybe a little bit different. But we'll we'll see what we get when we get there. Um, at number five, I'll have to put the most complete team probably on his list next to the Golden State Warriors will be the Chicago Bulls. The Chicago Bulls, young core. I love it. Lonzo, Levine, DeRozan, perfect match. Lucevic, Caruso. I mean, what more could you ask for? Their their Eastern Conference Finals are bust at this point, and I believe they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Will they win? It depends on who they play. But right now, currently, currently as currently constructed right now, barring any injuries, knock on wood, they're going to the Eastern Conference Finals. There's not a team in the East that, you know, outside of maybe like the top two, which is like maybe Milwaukee and uh, Nets that can beat them. Everything else is theirs. They can have whatever they want. And possibly on the lower end on the lower end of the West as well, they can have whatever they want over there as well. There's not any teams over there that can stop them. And I think they just beat the Nets, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so that, that's really inter- that's very interesting. Um, so at six, they did. Um, <laughs> I know what you're gonna say. 
Um, so I know this may come as a surprise to some people, but my favorite scene cannot fit on this list. So I can't put them there. They it, until they realize and come and have their come Jesus moment. I can no longer stick them on our list. So even though I mean, so at number six, I would have to choose. Uh, drum roll, please. Okay. Um, possibly Charlotte. I would put Charlotte. I haven't said the Lakers yet. Charlotte? You said the Lakers yet? You know, hold on wait a second. Oh my God. No. Not the Lakers. I mean, not uh, Charlotte. I will put. I'm, I'm like th- tossing between two teams right now. And I'm gonna, Charlotte's going to definitely fit on this list somewhere, um, as well as one of the teams that might become as a shock to you guys. Um, but I'm tossing between the Lakers and Miami right now. That's where I'm. That's the two teams I'm tossing between, and I'm thinking that the Lakers right now beat Miami. At this standing, I'm gonna put Miami six, Lakers seven. Um. And it kind of just, I, I came to this realization, you know, that just, I mean, Lakers have all the talent, you know what I'm saying? But we already went over this in the beginning, that it's just, it's a coaching problem right now. And as presently constructed, yes, with talent, they could win. But I think that Spostra is a better coach. Um, and presently constructed, as the Miami Heat is, if they let the leash off of Tyler Hero, and even if they still let him come off the bench, the Heat could win, could beat the Lakers right now. Not in a like a playoff series because we're talking about playoff LeBron is different level. I'm talking about regular season. They could beat the Lakers. Um, so I, that's why I would throw them above the Lakers just because of that. The teams I've named can beat the Lakers. Um, so um, then under there I would throw Charlotte at eight, um, Atlanta at nine. And I would go with the hometown favorite, the Cavaliers at 10. Mm, yeah, I was going to say. They've been playing Cavaliers, well. Somewhere. Yeah, the Cavaliers have been playing Underdogs. greater than probably what anybody would probably expect them to be right now. Yeah, you did. Jason, Jason did come on. I, in previous they, um, I did say pretty yeah, early I, that I liked what they were doing. I, I definitely believe that they are. They, they, they are definitely gonna. They're gonna shock the world. They're gonna. They're gonna get a playoff spot. I think they might. I see. I really think they might. Hey Rover, I'm gonna mathematically. Uh, yeah, my top ten number uh, one. Build out it's our Milwaukee. top ten based on everybody's list. Can you repeat your top ten Number again, please? Two, Brooklyn. Three, Golden State. Four, Lakers. Five, Phoenix. Six, Bulls. 
seven, Heat, eight, Utah, nine, Knicks, and then last is Charlotte. Those are my underdogs. Okay. Okay, perfect. I'll, so, I'll Chris, what about what quick. about Charlotte that puts them over Atlanta? I mean, the only thing that puts Charlotte over Atlanta is that Charlotte is really coming into its own. I mean, we're starting to see a Charlotte take that step forward. The players on that team are taking a step forward. Like, look at what um, not uh PJ Washington. What, what's the guy name? Bridges. He's going to end up being the most improved player. The guy who Lamelo Rose is a pick and roll with right now, Miles Turn, Miles Bridges. Yeah. Miles Bridges. Yeah, he's coming into his own for real. He's really showing a lot of potential, Bridges. a lot of Bridges. growth, and that's scary for the rest of the NBA because this is a young team who's going to have time to grow together. And it's kind of like it's what Atlanta was last year to me, and I just hope that they can keep it together because Terry Rozier is legit. Um, Lamelo, we know what he is. Miles Bridges is coming out. I mean, like it's it's going to be scary for the next couple of years for the rest of the NBA as long as Charlotte keeps it together. They keep playing like this, they're gonna they're 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 gonna be Eastern Conference Finals or bust within the next couple of years. I hope they keep them together, you know, and not do the LA route. Try to get a veteran in and try to surround the team around him and get rid of all your young stars. Mm-hmm. That'll be that'll be probably the worst day of the NBA if if they get rid of Lamelo yeah. to, get, to get a veteran just because now they got the hype and people love playing there. You know that does happen though; it happens very often. If I think they, that's what happened in Minnesota. Yeah, with yeah, Zach, it is in Zach, Andrew. Like I felt like Zach was playing wonderful every minute he played in Minnesota, and he still. Mm-hmm. So that's true. Cause that's what I mean, hopefully it does happen. Hopefully, you know, the coaching staff and and Jordan is smarter than, than that, you know? His track history is not that good. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the worst GMs I've ever seen, especially not owners. You know, that's, that team's like sucked for a long time. A long yeah. time. They they've done a terrible but, job hey, drafting. Like, before, I, I want to uh, believe in it. I want to believe they can do it. And they, Jack, they got a couple. Of, they're still young. Give them a couple of years, and like I said, Easter Conference Finals are bust. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at with that. With that team, at least that's why I would choose Charlotte. I would have to put the young guys in there. Charlotte, my team, my my roster is. I mean, my top ten ranking is pretty young. With the old guys hanging toward the end. That's how I would see it. What you got for me, Jason? Uh yeah, I one thing that I definitely would love is the uh the the Mavericks. I think Luca's gonna start figuring things out here pretty soon and they're gonna be scary with KP. I think Jason Kidd has definitely found his his stride. Um, I I love the my eye test of the Mavericks, but they also have a limit because they don't have much else on that team other than 
some guys that like Tim Hardaway that get more notoriety than he should yeah. and stuff like that because it's Luca making everybody else better. So yeah, I, I like where the Mavericks are going personally. But I love the Hornets. I love their young talent. I know you. I know I love their draft. I know you. I know. One I keep thing I couldn't find a spot for. It was the Grizzlies for some reason. Yeah. I couldn't find a spot for them. I chose the Cavs. I wanted to go with the home paper. That they made on the the back end of mine, Chris. The back end of mine. They're doing well, so I got to. I got to. They got to put on my list. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> All right, yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, it's true. Yeah, which is weird. How could the Almost Memphis Grizzlies gone. not make like not make the top ten list when they're really like they're really just seventy three a team. Like seventy. Seventy three points. Layup line. <laughs> like, layup line. It's a layup line. What kind of defense is being played, if any? Like not any. That's what I'm saying. Like, how do you do that in the modern NBA? And you know, the only team, the team that had that held the record before was the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think they, no, they won by 68 points. They beat Miami in 91. Oh no! Oh wow! Yeah. What? Yep. Really? 68. Must have been Mark Price, Brad Dordery, and Larry Nance, that team. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I'm telling you, the Cavs always been that team. Y'all just like to hate. It's fine. <laughs> the Rogues like to hate on the Cavaliers, but the Cavs always been that team. Remember, Cavs almost beat Jordan. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> we almost beat Jordan. <laughs> I don't want to get reminded of that shot. It came down to the last shot, literally. <laughs> yeah, we really almost yeah, did. Bad, <laughs> All right, you guys ready for this? Okay, number one is the Warriors. Number two is the Milwaukee Bucks. Number three is the Brooklyn Nets. Number four is the Los Angeles Lakers. Number five is the Phoenix Suns. Number six is the Chicago Bulls. Number seven is the Miami Heat. And the Utah Jazz and the Charlotte Hornets are tied for eight, so they're eight and nine. And then Dallas Mavericks got nine, (laughs) got ten. We know. They didn't even make your list, man. No, I can't. I can't. All righty. Well, well, they made it on. That's our they list. made it on because Rover that, had them at eight. Nine, you know, listen, if we were going to do one more balling or stalling before we cut it here in a second. I think that we should do the Utah Jazz. And let me tell you, big fat F. <laughs> <laughs> fat F. Minus. <laughs> minus. <laughs> If I could give a letter grade <laughs> lower than an F, it would be... Who knew that was possible? A Z. A G. <laughs> damn, you suck. <laughs> um, I don't know why. I mean, they're, like I said, and I'll continue to compare them this way, is 
Utah Jazz, they really are just like the Rockets. You know what I mean? When they were like, best regular season, first round exit in the playoffs. How many times are we mm-hmm. going to see Don Mitchell hating from outside yeah. of the finals? <laughs> <laughs> That's our intro right there. That's our tagline. How do you go hate from outside of the finals? You can't even get in. And that's it. How, how many times are we going to see him do that? Yeah. He's always. You, oh, you my are, God. <laughs> yep. I, why is he always watching the other team celebrate yep. and their banner go up and he <laughs> but his banner not going up. <laughs> Honestly, like there comes a point in time where you have to really wonder how stupid that GM is. Literally have had the same team for like five years. <laughs> they might have had the same team yeah. since like LeBron long- James has been for the playing for the Miami Heat. Like I don't even know what's going on up there. Utah, Too much Mormon type I crazy mean, I, shit going it's like on. A meme Utah, where like, they losing it's like their guys partying or whatever. That oh, I think it's a SpongeBob <laughs> meme. It's like he's having. It's like this is Donovan Mitchell when it comes to the playoffs and the finals. You know. If you watch SpongeBob, Squidward's always was staring out the. It's like a meme where Squidward's staring out the window, and, and Patrick and SpongeBob are running outside with their hands up, having a good time. But he's just like hating from inside the house. That's not even Mitchell. Not Mitchell is Squidward. <laughs> he's hating from inside the house while everybody else is playing basketball in the funnel. <laughs> no, seriously. That's what he's doing. He's Squidward at right now. He's Squidward. God. He's Squidward. It's, it's, <laughs> and he's watching Golden State and Phoenix and Milwaukee and the Nets. <laughs> the Lakers. Everybody was having fun. <laughs> Denver having fun. Portland was having Denver. fun. <laughs> not, not Denver having fun over here. <laughs> That's just what it is. I mean, I'll pass it off to you guys if you guys want to do it. But like I said, before we cut it, I just wanted to say, like, they are. Big fat F. G for God doesn't suck. What you got for me, Jason? Yeah. Same F. Same F. They same G. Same everything. Man, even with I, their I couldn't record, agree with you more, Chris. They have an F. Yeah, I'm just gonna yes. kick at the rover. They got an F. G. It's like, but you kind of have to go with Stalin at this point because. They started the season with the same exact team. They started with the that, that can't get over the hump. So even before they played the a game, they were already stalling. So mm-hmm. yeah, take on it. Yes. All right. Yes. Man, it was so much fun talking to you guys today. I love you know what I mean talking basketball with you, Jason and Rover. You know what I mean. I love when we all can come together and just have a good time. This is so much fun. You know what I mean. Just. Man, it's, it's, it feel like it's been a while, but man, it was it was fun, man. And you know we got to do it again. So that is gonna be the end for us today. I hope you guys though enjoyed listening to our podcast today. My name is Chris Muhammad. Go ahead, give it to me, Rover. What's your name? Hey, yo, it's Rover. <laughs> and we're the Peace.